0: Hebrews chapter 11 and we will read the word of the Lord this morning and what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that your spirit would take hold of these words that I speak. Allow them to go into the hearts of those who hear, that it would bring forth much fruit for you and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. The contrast of... Samson and Samuel. Looking at the scripture going all the way back to the book of Judges chapter 13. Scripture gives us a a very interesting story. Verse 1 says and the Children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. Verse 2 And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Verse 24 says, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. If you just hold your finger right there and turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. The son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zup and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Dropping down to verse 5, and, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, And remember me, and and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. And Eli said in verse 14, how long without be drunken, put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eliah answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did not eat. And her countenance was no more. And it came to pass in verse twenty. When the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bear a son. And called his name Samuel saying because I have asked him of the Lord. Two births very miraculous. Two women who were barren similar circumstances. Had two sons. One from this woman who. We don't know her name. We know her husband's name. She calls her son Samson. The other woman, we know her name. Her name is Hannah. She called her son Samuel. Because I have asked him of the Lord. Two judges of the nation of Israel. Samuel is a judge and he judged Israel for 40 years. Samuel is a judge. He judges Israel for 40 years. But we see two very different people here. This story, the Apostle Paul said it like this in the New Testament. He said, all these things were written for our examples. And we go back into the scripture, we find that this is not just two stories, just to have two stories in the scripture, but these stories are there and they show and paint something very important about us. As believers, as spirit-filled people of God. When I look at these two men, I can think of the many stories that have often been told about this man named Samson. How he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. How he took the gates of the city. And carried them for 25 miles. 25 miles. And it was at an elevation that he was walking, not on flat ground. We see many outstanding and phenomenal feats from this man Samson. But there's a contrast here when you look at their lives. And the legacy that they leave behind. Something very, very important here. And I want to note these things. and I, I'm going to go through and show you that there are some great differences here in these individuals. It, there is a large determination to who and how you're born into the kingdom of God. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're born into a, a troubled place and soon you will attract that spirit to you. And it It comes out of you in every aspect of what you do and live. You can be born in a very troubled place, but if you have someone who gives you minute and detailed care for your upbringing, we see that there is a completely different result. You can study these two men and find out that they both had supernatural births just like that we as are born into the kingdom of God we have supernatural births but if you're born with a supernatural birth into a troubled place and you don't have the proper leadership and the leadership that will help you to grow you can become a, a, a believer who thinks they're doing right but they're actually doing very destructive things to the kingdom of God the first thing that I can note here about the differences in Samson and Samuel, if you look in the scripture in Judges chapter 13 and when you get to the next chapter, the 14th chapter, the first thing it says about Samson in 14 and 1, and Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Of the Philistines now therefore get her for me to wife. In the contrast you see the first instance of the scripture talking about this man Samuel. In chapter 3 of 1 Samuel it says. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was lied down, laid down in the place and his eyes began to grow di- wax dim that he could not see. And there was a light. You see, this young man, Samuel, Sam, Samuel was taking care of the, the tabernacle, which you've heard spoke of today. It was in disrepair. There were a lot of things going on. But God had assigned this young boy named Samuel who had a mother that came and every year and told him I prayed for you and God gave you to me and gave him direction and taught him certain things about the scripture. You see it's not just hanging around spiritual things. You have to have specific instruction. You have to have detailed instruction from your parents and from those who are godly. It's not just hanging out at the temple or the tabernacle. You have to have some instruction that causes. you you to grow, that causes you to reflect and say I'm going to do the right thing even when the wrong thing seems like the okay thing to do verse 9 says therefore Eli said unto Samuel go lie down and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say speak Lord for thy servant heareth I don't find this direction Anywhere in Samson's life, you can search. I don't find this particular aspect of, of hearing the voice of the Lord and responding to the voice of the Lord in Samson's life. The first thing that I know, note in the contrasting difference is in, in Samuel and Samuel, Samson and Samuel's ministry is finances. There's a distinct uh, a problem. In our finances. Finances are very, very important if you're going to live for God. Finances are extremely important, and you can have the finances that will grow you or that are gonna grow the kingdom. You can have what are your motives in and the finances that you control. And here we find in the book of Judges, chapter 14, and verse verse 13. Let's look here. The scripture says. But if you cannot declare it, him and Samson said unto in verse twelve, "Out now, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If he can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty changes of garments." But if you cannot declare it me, then ye shall give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. There's a difference here if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 12. Something very interesting to note that this man, he always had the kingdom of God. In fact, look at 1 Samuel chapter 12 as we read here in verse 4. 12 and 4 says, And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. Speaking of Samuel, two very similar man, men, but two very different men. You see how they handled the finances that God had given to them. You see, one thought, I'm gonna benefit myself. I'm gonna grow my little kingdom. I'm gonna add to my nest egg. And here the scripture says that the people came to Samuel and said to him, thou hast not defrauded us, you've not cheated us, you've not oppressed us, neither have you taken aught of any man's hand. You've not tried to steal, you've not tried to manipulate, you've not tried to defraud, you've tried to always do the right thing two very similar men two very supernatural births but the, how they handled finances I want you to know this morning how we handle our finances is very very important are we going to benefit ourselves only is this an angle is this something that a deal that we can make for ourselves or is this something that will benefit the kingdom of God I'm not saying everybody has to be a pauper I don't want to let li- anyone to live under or a, a bridge in a box that's not what I'm saying but our motives when, when it comes to finances they're very very important because our motive in finances will tell everything about us and what we are and the kind of individual that we are someone say amen so that's the first thing that I find about Samson and Samuel we see there that I read the verse of scripture to you And the second thing that I can find about the difference between Samuel and Samson are relationships. The first thing that I see here in Judges 14 verse 3, he says to his mother and his father, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me to wife. It's something that I want to enjoy. It's something that I want to enjoy in my relationship. It was not that the kingdom had been given to him, that the judgeship had been given to him so that he would rule over the nation of Israel and that he would keep himself separate and set apart. You notice in both occasions uh, they were not supposed to drink strong drink. Uh, they were not supposed to cut ha- their hair uh, and those were uh, th- those were similarities uh, and that they were set apart. They were to do a right thing. Uh, they were to live righteous and godly. Uh, we are a set apart people. Uh, we are a righteous people. Uh, we are a godly people. Uh, we're set apart for a purpose. Uh, this is not so that we can, the Holy Ghost is not given to us uh, so that we can use it uh, for our benefit to show our gifts. Uh, There was a man in the Bible in the book of Genesis. uh, He used his name, uh, his gifts uh, for his benefit. His name was Balak uh, and uh, uh, Balaam. He used these supernatural gifts uh, that God had given to him. He said to one man, he said, I'm not allowed to prophesy, but I can tell you what to do and you can curse Israel. If there's always an angle, there's always a way but if you will do the right thing, if you'll stand upright, if you'll live godly, if you'll live holy, the right thing, God will always keep account and make sure that you are counted among the faithful. His relationships go down the first instance of this man, Samson. Is for him to go down and consider a woman among the Philistines. The first instance in the scripture. Doesn't talk about him doing anything supernatural. Doesn't talk about him offering up an altar of sacrifice. Doesn't talk about him reaching out and drawing closer to God. It talks about his relationships with others who are around him. You know our relationships are very, very, very important. Amen. They're very, very important. How you treat others. How you, you're treated. How you you see some people say, well, we, I'm not going to talk to them because they've treated me poorly. You be careful how you, you say, I'm not going to talk to that person. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Allow. Don't allow someone else's carnality to affect your spirit. Don't allow somebody else's depression to call, bring you into depression. Don't allow somebody's dishonesty to make you dishonest. Remember, we're to stand above the fray. We're to be godly and righteous in an unrighteous world. You say, well, uh, my family, they're dragging me down. You need to get down on your knees and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, this is my family. They're always going to be my family. I'm not trying to disassociate or or I'm not trying to run from my family. But I'm going to stand and be godly and righteous in my family. Someone shout hallelujah. You don't have to take that familiar spirit. Amen. I bind, you need to say every day, I bind that spirit of depression. I bind that spirit of oppression. I come against it in the name of Jesus. You have given me authority. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to allow itself to attach itself to you. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35. Looking at the relationships that this man Samuel had. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart. And in my mind, I will build him a sure house. And he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to raise up a faithful. You know, there's all kinds of words said, all kinds of attitudes, all kinds of feelings. You're just going to have to let some things go right on by you. You you don't have to be a piece of Velcro to uh, allow anything to stick to you. You can just say, hey... To yourself, if my family or my this person that I'm associated with, I I have to be associated with. But I'm I'm going to be a, a godly individual. I'm not going to gossip. Gossip. I'm not going to attach myself to those things. I'm going to be a faithful man, a faithful woman. I'm going to raise up a faithful family. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, "I'm going to raise me up." This is the Lord speaking. A faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart. In other words, they will seek after the Lord. Got up this morning and said, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Hallelujah. I, I have your favor. And I want your favor to remain in my life. I want your favor to remain in my children's life. I thank you for your favor. I have that favor I'm walking with you. I don't treat that favor lightly. It's not something that I, I just you put it in my pocket as it's some little old uh, keepsake. But I, I value it. It's a favor from God. It's something that God has given to us. It's something that God has given to me. I don't, I don't want to treat it lightly or treat it loosely. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that favor. I thank you, Lord, for that anointing There has to be a faithfulness. There has to be a calling in your heart. There has to be that longing for God. You have to get up every morning and say, God, I need you today. This is a new day. This is a new day. This is a righteous day. A faithful priest. Faithful priest. The third thing I can see here... Is motives. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts. But it even goes further than the thoughts; it goes to the intent. We call that motives. What the real motive is. Sure, you've talked to someone, and they said one thing, and they meant another thing. They said something to you, but that's not really what they meant in their heart. There was, we use sometimes, ulterior motives. In First Samuel chapter twelve and verse twelve, showing the contrast between these two individuals. Verse 12 of chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 12. And, and when ye saw that, the, that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, he said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king, now therefore behold the king whom ye have chosen and whom ye have desired. And behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes motives. What was the motive here? Samuel, the scripture says that when they asked for a king, Samuel prayed. He was very disturbed because God was their king. God was their judge. He is the one that directed them. And they said, we want to be like nations around us. We want to be like everyone else around us. Samuel went and prayed and he was distraught and He was weeping and crying before the Lord, Lord, and the Lord told Samuel, said, get up. They're not upset with you. They're upset with me. Amen. Hallelujah. We see this is in direct contrast. If you look at Judges chapter 16, very interesting how the motives of Samson are seen here. Samson really shows himself. Judges chapter 16 and verse 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times. I will go out as at other times. This is okay. I can shake this off. I can... I can make this happen. I've experienced this before. I'll overcome this. I'll just go out as at other times. Oh, be be very careful how you treat the presence of God. The Bible says that God is long-suffering. And he said, I'll just go out as at other times before and shake myself. I'll repent again and get myself together and get myself all straightened out. I'll go to the altar and and God will accept me back. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Amen. There came a point in time, even though Samson had a miraculous birth, there came a point in time when God said, okay, if that's what you want to do, you go ahead and do it. Samson thought that he could call that God was at his beck and call just like he would whistle for a dog, you know, come on over here. That's what he said here. I will go out as at other times. And I will shake myself. I'll just call upon God and His mercy. And I'll just, He'll come running. And He's merciful and He's good. But he didn't realize that God had said to Himself and to others that were around. And and said, I'm denying that I know Samson. And the Lord departed from him. I, I, I think that's a terrible place to be. I think that's a terrible place to be. When you come and play church, that's a terrible place to be. When you hear the preaching of the word of the Lord and you don't respond to the preaching of the word of, the, of God, and you hear it over and over, and you decide that I'm just, I'll accept this and I won't accept that, and I'm going to take this and I'm not going to take that, well, you you just do what Samson did, and you and you say I, I'll shake myself, I'll go out as at other times, and it's always going to be that way. It won't always be that way. There comes a time when God said enough is enough. Enough. You know what I'm saying this morning? We got to take this thing seriously. We, this living for God is not just something that we do because it's our culture. We are Christians, so to speak, and, and we're against the culture, we're counterculture against the culture of our country. No, 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 I'm telling you, it's more than that. I'm not necessarily a counterculture. I am in, in, a, in respect, but I'm here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be counterculture against the culture of the country. Because if we hang around long enough, the, winds, uh, the political winds of culture will change. But the word of God endures forever. And the legacy that you leave behind endures forever. It's with you forever. Do you know today to the day right now we're reading these stories and these are legacies that people left behind and it's over 3,500 years ago and we're still talking about these stories. Hallelujah. Motives. Verse 25 of 16th chapter. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson. That he may make us sport. He's going to entertain us. Because we've poked both of his eyes out. The scripture said they took a poker and heated it up hot. They held him. Somebody held his head. And took that poker and rammed it into both of his eyes. Burned it out. Never to see ever again. He wasn't just blindfolded. He... He had his eyesight removed completely. And here he is, he's grinding meal like an animal. Think about it a miraculous birth. Now he's grinding meal like an animal, going round and round, pushing a piece of wood and two stones, and they pour the, the meal in there and they grind it up. To make flour. And here he is. They're using him instead of oxen or some other animal. They're using this man. And they said, Bring him out that we may laugh at him. And he's going to entertain us because of the antics. And we're going to throw things at him and we're going to ask him questions. And he's blind now. He can't defend himself. Scripture says here And they called for Samson out of the prison. And he made them sport and he set them, they set him between the pillars. What kind of downfall here? This man that had a miraculous birth, that God's blessing was on him. That he had opportunity after opportunity. Amen. This, I'm telling you this morning, there are so many similarities. And God has given us opportunity and after opportunity. Uh, I want you to wake up this morning. Uh, God has given you opportunity after opportunity. Uh, you can squander them. You can spend them frivolously uh, if you want to. Uh, but I'm here to tell you this morning uh, that you should wake up and count the costs. Uh, because the cost is too great to be like Samson. Accountability is the fourth thing that I find difference in Samson and Samuel. Accountability. Samson was never accountable to anybody. He was a lone ranger. He did everything on his own. I'll go down there and do it on my own. I'm not a team player. I'll just go. I feel like going over here. I'm going to go over here. And if I feel like going over there, I'm going to go over there. That wasn't how Samuel was. He was a team player. He was always looking out for us. He was always looking out for the team. He was looking out for the church. He was looking out for the people of God. He was conscious of what was going on. He had a heart and said, I wonder how that person is doing. Amen. If you really have a conscience and you really have a heart uh, for God, and you have a heart for the people of God, Uh, you wake up at night and they say, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. Uh, I wonder how this person is doing. Uh, I wonder how how they're faring, and and they might be depressed, or or they're going through something in their life. Uh, You see, if you really care about people, you think about what's going on in their life. If you don't care, you're like Samson. I'm just in this for me. Sorry about you. I wish you could make it, but... Amen. Accountability. Accountability means you you reach out to people and say, How you doing? That's being accountable. You're asking about them, but you're actually letting them know how you you are as well. You let them know that you're thinking about that individual. You're thinking about their circumstances. You're thinking about their situation. And sometimes uh, you become so overwhelmed with situations and circumstances in life that you really don't get a chance to reach out to them. But you should reach out to them uh, as often as you can and as often as you think about it. It makes you accountable. That lack of accountability is so very detrimental. I want to come to the, the final point that I see the difference between these two men is the final and the most important point I find between these two individuals is prayer the final and most important point is prayer you see you can be a born again Christian and not pray you can be prayerless like Samson. I only find two times that Samson ever prayed. And they were both selfish prayers. The first time he prayed is when he thought he was dying of thirst. And he said, oh God, don't let me die of thirst. Here I am. I'm, I'm a judge. I'm, I'm your anointed servant. And, and here I am thirsty and I'm, I'm about to die. I need some water. The Bible says that God caused water to come out of that jawbone. The second time that I find that he prayed is here he is, he's blind. He's made sport of now and he's wandering around. And they lead him to chain him up to these two pillars. He prays, but it's an act of desperation for himself. Oh God. You see, I'm here. I've made a fool and a mess of myself. Let me have strength as I did before. One more time. Only two occasions. Twice. Prayers both for himself. I don't find him praying for the people. I don't find him praying that, uh, that someone would be delivered. I don't find him praying for crops and rain. I don't find him praying that there was deliverance from the Philistines. That all he had under control him himself. I'll go down there to the Philistines. I'll take care of them. And the Bible says that the Lord was with him. You know, once God gives you a gift, he gives you a gift. It's yours. The Bible says that the Lord was with Samson and he went down. And he slew 1,000 Philistines. And we say, whoo, look at him there. He's all by himself, though. Mr. Lone Ranger did it again. Here, here he is. And it's a look at me moment. Look what I've done. Look how many enemy I conquered. Oh, be careful when you have look at me moments. I want you to look at a scripture in the book of Jeremiah. If you would, everybody that has a Bible, would you turn to this Portion of scripture in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15. Jeremiah, chapter 15, and verse number 1. Then said the Lord unto me, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me to pray, Yet my mind could not be toward this people. He didn't say it about anybody else but Moses and Samuel. That's how important that God thought Moses and Samuel's prayers were. Though those two men stood before me and asked. Any other time I would receive their request. That's how important I think they are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Samuel has been dead a long time. That's never said about Samson. But here it says, though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. The Bible says that when Saul disobeyed, and God took his hand away from Saul from being king that Sam Samuel went and prayed all night long and wept he said God this is your chosen man this is your chosen man and God said get up Samuel i've got a man who's a man after my own heart amen you see the people chose Saul, he was head and shoulders. He was a fine looking man. He was head and shoulders above everyone in Israel, the scripture says. That, and that speaks of how he looked and they they liked his appearance and he was the one that they thought that should lead them but God had a man who didn't look like Saul but he was on the backside of the desert. He was watching the sheep. He was there playing the little harp and singing songs unto God and praying. There was a spirit of prayer. I want you to know that God wants us to pray, people of God. Why won't you pray? Why won't you get a hold of God? Why do not you get down on on your knees. Why don't you pray? I find in the book of, of James it said that Elijah was a man of like passions and he caused it not to rain. And he says, we can pray like Elijah. There's a direct line. If Elijah could pray and it not rain, and then he pray again and it rain, and he says there's a direct line because Elijah was a man of like passions. You and I have the ability to call down the power of God if we will use the power that God has given to us. If we will become spiritual people, not just have a supernatural birth, not just go through the motions of heaven, church Uh, but if we will be spiritual people uh, God will work miraculous in our lives If we don't pray, we'll be just like Samson and we'll lurch from one great thing to the next, one disaster to the next. And we, after we come through that journey, after we come through that trial, we can look at others and say, I made it. And you made it because it was the grace of God that you made it. It wasn't You didn't make it because you were faithful. You didn't make it because you were godly. You made it because God wanted you to make it. And I look around and I see a lot of people attending church. But I don't see very many people praying. And I'll say that because I'm the pastor. I see a lot of people just attending church. They come and sing songs and their carnal is all get out. Hallelujah. Why won't we pray? Why don't we pray? If you don't pray, you're going to have more stress in your life. If you don't pray, you're going to have more situations in your life where you finally reach a point where you cry out, Oh God, and God comes to your rescue. But if you will pray, you will have the mind of Christ. I woke up this morning and I said, God, I don't want your mind. I have your mind because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I have the mind of Christ. I don't say that arrogantly or with pride, but I'm filled with God's spirit. I have his mind. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. I have his wisdom. I have his understanding if i will ask for it he will give it to me in the the moment uh, that i need it yes, amen, amen. hallelujah i get get beside myself and i see that people are going down the wrong, wrong path. And I and say, oh God, what's going on in their lives? Why can't things change? And the Lord spoke to me and said, if my people will pray. If my people will pray. If my people will pray. My people aren't praying. He said, that's the problem. My people aren't praying. I look at the end of Samson. And I, I see here a man, he prayed twice that we can find in the scripture. but It was only acts of desperation. Oh God, I'm dying. Don't you see what I'm going through? Oh God, my enemies around me, I need your help now. I find many times that Samuel prayed and it wasn't just for him. You look at the story there. You can start in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and go through the story of Samuel, his life. And you see the many times that he prayed. Most of those times, I don't find any of those times that it's for himself. But most of those times, I'll say it like that. It's all for other people. It's praying for those that are around him he prayed. He, I don't imagine that little boy at 12 years old got much sleep the night uh, that he heard the voice of the Lord and the Lord told him what was going to happen to the house of Eli and all his sons and all his their offspring. Uh, I imagine that little boy sat up all night long. He lay there and looked at the, at the roof uh, and he turned this way and he tossed this way uh, and he thought oh I, I can't tell anybody about this. I can't tell anybody about this. And, and the Bible says that Eli woke him up in the morning or went into him and said now what did God say to to you and he said you better tell me every word because if you don't tell me every word the thing that God said I pray that happened to you And this young boy at 12 years of age he says reluctantly, he tells what Eli the things that God has given to him and that's the start. You see there's a concern in his heart. There was something that was instilled in his heart by his mother Hannah that said you gotta pray for people. You gotta look out for the people of God. Sometimes people are like sheep. They get lost. They get wayward. They don't know what to do. They do the wrong thing but you still reach out for them. You still help them. You still guide them and keep them. Why? Because you stay down on your knees and pray. You say, God, I need you this morning. I need you this morning. My family needs you this morning. The church of God needs you this morning. The people of God need you this morning. Oh, Lord, I pray that you bless them. Even those who don't deserve blessings, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you make a way for them, Lord. I pray that you would cover them with your blood, Lord. Let your blood cover them, Jesus. Oh, Lord, wash us once again with the blood of your salvation. That anointing that comes from you, God, let it rest upon our mind let it rest upon our hearts Uh, oh God give it to us every day Uh, bless those children Uh, bless those families Lord Uh, those families that are divided and bring them back together Uh, let there be a uniting in love Lord Uh, let there be the love of the Holy Ghost in the heart and alive Uh, oh God every morning I pray that they would wake up uh, and offer yourself uh, themselves as a sacrifice unto you Psalms chapter 5 early in the morning will I pray? Early in the morning I will pray. I will pray unto you in the morning. And make a sacrifice and then watch what you do. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 3. He says early in the morning. Everybody say early. early. Get up in the morning and early. Early. Whatever. It doesn't say four, it doesn't say five, it doesn't say eight. Be the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning. Early in the morning, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. That's the voice. that You're going to hear my voice, God. You're going to hear my voice. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. I'm going to create a sacrifice in the morning, God. And then I'm going to look up. He said, I'm going to watch. I'm going to see what you will do, God. I'm going to see what you will do in my life. I'm going to see what you will do with the people of God. I'm going to watch after I've offered up that sacrifice of prayer. Oh, we sang that song this morning. Let the fire on my altar never go out. I think it's some of you, it's very smoky. In other words, the fire is not burning. It's just smoldering if there's even a fire there. But I'm here this morning to tell you, you can build a new fire. It takes you a little process. You can get some wood together. You can get the instruments of fire, matches or whatever instruments you have and create that fire. And as it starts out new, you're going to have to coax it along. When you start praying again, it's not just going to come on you a spirit of prayer. You're going to have to coax it and blow around it and kind of get it going. And then once you get the blaze going, you put another piece on and another piece on and then the blaze is going full force. And that's That's how it is when you start praying before God and you haven't prayed in a long time. You're going to have to get your kindling together. You're going to have to get the instruments of fire together and you're going to have to build it and then watch that sacrifice grow and say, God, I want something to happen in my life. I'm tired of going through the motions. You can say that, but what you have to do is you have to pray. You can say to yourself all day long, I'm tired of being sick and tired. And that's just words. But until you start praying, until you build that altar, until you build that sacrifice. Oh, come on. We're going to have an altar call. There needs to be a sacrifice right now. There needs to be a sacrifice. Some of you need to build the altar. You haven't built an altar in a long time. You haven't offered a sacrifice in a long time. The fire has gone out in your altar. Hallelujah. I'm reaching out to you. Hallelujah! We can have revival in our hearts uh, or we can just go through the motions of getting here at 10 o'clock and, and being over by 11.30 and going and having lunch and, and having a few services. Is that's what you want, uh, then that's all you'll get. Uh, and you won't get anything else out of it. It'll just be a soothing of your conscience. Uh, I went to church, but I want more than that. Uh, I have only one life to live. I have only one life to give. Would you raise your hands to the Lord Jesus Christ right now? hallelujah we thank you jesus i reach out to you savior i reach out to you god i want to make a difference in my world i want to make a difference in my life i want to make a difference in my family's life i want to make a difference in my children's life god i want to make a difference in my community's life God hallelujah do you want to make a difference the altar is open if you want to come down here and make a difference You can come and sit on the front row if you can't kneel down. But would you come and start the fire burning in your heart one more time? Would you start that fire again? Would you say, God, ignite the Holy Ghost fire in my life. Ignite that fire within me one more time. I need you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I need you, Lord. I reach out to you today. I reach out to you today. I reach out to you today. I reach out to you today, God. Hallelujah for your anointing, for your power, for your glory, for your righteousness and your holiness right now, Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stir up that gift. Stir up that gift, Lord. That fire, that flame that was in my heart. I want revival in my life, God. I want revival in my heart, God. I want revival in my words Lord Jesus let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you Jesus my strength and my redeemer I don't want to just go through the motions oh but Lord I want there to be a flame of fire that catches hold God that changes me that makes me anew and renewed in you Savior Hallelujah, oh God, oh God, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need that flame one more time. I need you, I need you, I need you, Lord, I need that, Lord, that flame burning in my heart.